morning, everybody. Don't stop on my account. I, I love seeing the fellowship. And the longer you do that means the less time I have to be up here. Yes. Awesome. Um, my name is Dathan Lowe. Um, I have the privilege of uh, fearfully standing up here today. I don't know what to do with my hands because I don't have the mic like last time. Last time I requested the boy band mic today because last time I held the mic the whole time with one arm and I, next day I felt like I had done about a hundred. I was like, my God, what is this? It's a, not even a pound mic. So I, I get it now. Now I'll just be like this up here all day. So uh, before I get started, I would like to welcome home our pastor and first lady, my parents. I, I, I'm going to say, I'll, that is the loudest, that is the loudest applause. My father doesn't appreciate that. My mom welcomes every bit of it. So, so we're so glad to have you back. Um, like I said in my, my previous uh, speaking during Mother's Day, um, this is, uh, God's my idol, but he is reflected in this gentleman as my idol. And my mother's probably the strongest woman that I know. In fact, I'll give you an example. My mother is the kind of strong that you can go and deep clean anything to perfection, and she will come back to you and prove that she can do it better on top of your clean. She'll clean your clean. And I, I, it doesn't get much stronger than that, in my opinion. So um, so glad that you are here today. Um, thank you for trusting God with all of us weirdos while you were out. Um, the building didn't burn down, so score win us. We, uh, so it is a privilege to have you back home, and, uh, and it is an honor to get to speak in your presence here, even though you should be up here. And, um, but. So um, with that being said, I'm not going to jump right into it. I need to burn a little more time still, so I'm going to do that. I, uh, th this is a really scary thing for me. If you think sitting out there with somebody possibly going to read your mail I promise you I'm not going to read any mail. This is the scariest place in this entire building is being up here. Um, I figured out a way to get through my entire educational life without ever having to give a presentation on anything. Elementary, in fact, the last, the last time I did this, well, Mother's Day, but the last time prior to that I did uh, first grade, I had a cutout of Joe Montana, who was my hero at the time. And I stood behind this massive cutout, so nobody even knew it was me. And I read three sentences off the back of it, and I pivoted off the stage. So nobody. So that was my last experience of this. So I am delivering what God has given me at a first grade level today. So should be should be easy to understand. All right. With that being said, I'm gonna go ahead and jump into it. Um, we're gonna be reading. You can go ahead and throw it up on the screen. We're gonna be reading from Jeremiah 18. Verses 1 through 6 in the NLT version. It says, The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, Go down to the potter's shop. Shireen was not here, by the way, during our creative meeting, so she had no idea I was talking about this. Wonderful now word. Go down to the potter's shop, and I will speak to you there. 
So I did as he told me and found the potter working on his will. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay and again and started over. Then the Lord gave me this message. O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. And I want to talk today about purpose and more so purpose in the potter's hand. And all of us, I mean, whoever thought that, you know, when you developed as, you know, one of God's kids, you were, you were there, you made it. You know, it's, it's a process, and, and, and following God is a never-ending process. It's, you don't make it until you kick over. And so, so I'm, everybody is going through a process at a different level. Um, to begin with, as far as what potters do, they find clay, and clay in the natural um, actually already has everything in it that it needs to be made. Clay is created with everything in it that needs to be made to become a beautiful vessel. So when a potter goes out, and I'm not talking about going to the potter or to Michael's and grabbing a box of clay and, you know, pulling it out and, and working with it, but if you go in the natural and find clay in its natural element, everything that is in it is all, already what it needs. They, they harvest it, they bring it to home, workplace, wherever it is, and they'll put it, they'll strain it to take out any impurities such as rocks, um, grass, anything that doesn't need to be in it, they, they purify it that way. Throw it in a bucket, and then they will dump water on it. They'll submerge it in water. We can all, you know, correlate that to baptism. But they'll soak it in water. And as it soaks, it starts to take in the water, and it softens up to be more pliable, to be able to work with. And then they'll drain this water a little bit at a time until it reaches the consistency that they're looking so that they can make something beautiful out, hopefully beautiful. I've never done pottery, but I guarantee you what I make would not be beautiful. But hopefully to create something with their hands that is beautiful that they have in their mind of, of doing. So I want to reiterate that you already have in you what God needs to make you into the beautiful vessel that he has that he has in his design for you. It's not God created, when God created Adam, he created him to walk and hear him, to talk with him in the garden, but he created Adam exactly how he wanted. He didn't need to go through a process to get him. He, he designed him with everything in him. I'm still getting a little ring. He designed him with everything within him that he already needed. There wasn't no additives that he needed to add to him. That's how you are. That, that's how you were created. His purpose is already in you. So when, when the potter takes this cloud and it's finally pliable, they'll put it on a wheel, and they'll spin this wheel, and they will make sure that the clay stays exactly where they need it to form it into that vessel that they're looking to create. Crazy thing is... God does that with us, and we like to say, you know what, I don't want to be that, you know? I don't want to be this guy standing up here right now. I want to be the guy sitting on the corner front row instead. But God, I, I don't, you know, I don't think you know exactly what you're doing. I, I have a better idea and a better plan and, and a way that you can use me so much better than, than how you're developing me right now. And the same thing with the clay is while that wheel is spinning, centrifugal force 
forces that clay to move out in the same way that we kind of push against God whenever he's trying to develop us. The potter will hold that clay in, and the faster that spins, the more chaotic or the more pressure comes against the potter's hands as he tries to form that clay into a vessel. We do it every single day. I do it. I'm still learning today. I'm, I'm as far from perfect as probably any individual inside this building, but God uses imperfection. As he's working on this clay, as it's spinning, he, does, he starts to press into places that may be extremely uncomfortable. And like I said, clay is very passive. We don't always adhere to what he has for us. He says, turn right, I turn left. He says, go here, I go there. It's, it's a nonstop battle when you're trying to align yourself with him. It's very important that that clay finds the center of that will. If, if for any reason the clay is offset, you're going to have a lumpy, odd-shaped vessel that's not really going to have any, it's not going to be, what is the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Aesthetically pleasing to the eye. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have odd shapes. It may be, have a lot more buildup on the left side than the right side because there's no center. There's no, there's no true form to it. And that's how it is when you start to press up against God and you don't allow him to do what he needs. When you don't get in a line with him, you're going to turn out to be a pretty messed up vessel. Cool thing about it, what he says here, is if he doesn't like the way that that is turning out, they will start over. They're not going to sit there and be like, you know what, the vessel turned out the way it did. Cool, let's see how much money we can make on this thing. No, they're going to press it back down. They're going to add a little bit more water to it and make it pliable. They're going to start over. God is willing to start over with you. He's not going to just say, you know what, I did my best, which I know I didn't, but I did what I could. You let me do this much. Live with it, figure it out, the rest on your own. Imagine a potter's will without a potter. Imagine if God just threw his hands up and said, you know what, I'm not going to give you, not necessarily restrictions, but I'm not going to guide you through this process. I'm just going to let you have it. I'm just going to sit here and watch this will spin with this lump of clay. And that lump of clay, if the will is spinning fast enough, is going to wind up on all four walls of the room that it's in. There, there's no control. It's just going to splat everywhere. That is pretty much what it's like to walk without God, without a guideline, without having any structure. Again, it's not rules. It's not regulations, but it's living within his design. We have a very sovereign God. He allows us to make choices. He doesn't make choices for us. A part of that process, when he pushes and we push back, he'll, he'll allow us, he'll give. He, he's not going to force you into place. He's going to let you divert here and there. But with that guideline, he's always going to be figuring out a way to bring you back. My, myself, I'll tell you in a little while, but he, he's always going to figure out a way to bring you back at your own choice. He's not going to force you to choose his way He's going to allow you to do that on your own because, well, we all know, you know I, I said it last time, I'm a very good learner um, when it comes to mistakes. I learn very well from making lots of mistakes. 
I don't, you can't tell me something and expect me to just take it and run with it and be like, oh, cool, you said that, awesome. No, very similar to this, like, I know God speaks to me because, well, for one, five plus five is ten, great, my math teacher taught me that, so, I mean, I move on, but when God gives you something that's not that, well, great, you know, I grew up listening, honestly, I've heard this message probably, not a thousand times, I've heard it a lot. But until this past week did, something really sparked in me, and I was like, you know, I didn't think of that. That wasn't me. I didn't create this thought. God's, God put that in me. And so the difference between, you know, me hearing it and God giving it, the, the learning experience is so much bigger. My, again, my testimony in itself, um, if it weren't for all of the garbage, I wouldn't be here today, and so I am grateful for it, regardless of the pain that it was to get to here. That being said, when we remember who the potter is and how much he loves us, we can learn to welcome the piercing of our hearts with his truth, knowing that he has better plan for our lives and that he can do through us things we can't do alone. We trust him and let him shape us, knowing that the discomfort is worth the result in the end. All, all the pain that we go through, all the trials, it's made you who you are. And especially when you start to figure out that purpose that he has for you, it is so worth it. And you wouldn't trade it for anything. Once the potter has finally formed his vessel to, what he, to the ideal look of what he wants or what he's needing to use it for, he'll cut it off, pull it, set it aside, and allow it to start drying. And this is letting some of the, again, the water out so that they can fire it. And the firing process is all of those wonderful trials that we get to go through, you know, the struggles of life, every work, family, friends, enemies. It's, those are the trials that really develop you or shape, not necessarily shape you, but that is what strengthens you into what he has designed you to be. The firing process is probably one of the most necessary parts as far as you being able to be used. Without it, you have moisture in yourself, you crack, you fall apart. But the firing process is where you're either broken or you're made. In that process, they put equal heat, they'll put you in a kiln, not you, the vessel, into a kiln. And they will fire it up, and they're trying to keep consistent heat all the way around so that there's equal heat to the vessel. And as that heat is pulling out all the moisture, that clay is strengthening and turning into a ceramic, a porcelain, whatever, whatever type of clay you ended up using or whatever process you're working with. But it becomes strong. After it is, the process is complete, I'll pull it out, and they'll have a beautiful raw, undecorative vessel. And at that point, they can do anything they want to. And that process is where God strengthens all of us. You may come out cracked. You may come out perfect. But we all come out unique. None of us are exactly the same. No vessel can be used in the exact same way. No vessel looks the same. As one of God's vessels, we are all a part of a larger set made up of our brothers and sisters in Christ, our family, our friends. 
Your interaction and devotion to them says a lot about your commitment to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Regardless of their commitment to you, you have a commitment to be God to them. We can't expect something from someone and not return the same thing to them. God didn't ask you for, God didn't ask me to love you based on the way that you love me. God asked me to love you regardless. He asked us to be examples of him, to reflect him. He created us in his image to be like him, and yet we struggle with being like him. Even being in his design, we struggle to be like him. Like I said, all dishes are different. Nobody is alike, and you may want to be a beautiful little teacup. And some of us guys may want to be the largest wine vessel they make. Load me. I want to be the big, the big, big one, the thick one. But we don't get that choice. We don't get the options, you know, because God has a purpose specifically for you. Your design is different. Your design is you. Your design is not someone else. If God designed me to be, let's say, a nice little single flower vase, and I want it to be a soup bowl. God, I want to be a soup bowl. Why'd you make me this cute little petite rose vase? I can't even carry two. You made me big enough to carry one stem. If I am being used out of my purpose as a soup bowl, even though I am a tiny rose vase, try to pour soup into one of those things with a ladle. You are going to make some kind of a mess all over everything, all over everybody. That's what happens when you're being used out of purpose. When you try to be something to someone that you're not, you're going to mess up a lot of stuff. If you're not in line with God, if you're not walking in the path that he has for you other people, you are just making a mess of things. God has a purpose for you. I was purposed, not me, but that little rose vase was purposed to hold and house a rose. It was purposed to hold something beautiful. I'm not a soup dish. I'm a rose vase. I have messed up a lot of stuff in my 38 years. You know, it's, it's, it, it took me 38 years to really, well, 36, 37, to really start to seek out purpose. Um, I had an idea of what I wanted to be. I had an idea of who I wanted to be. I had an idea of who I wanted in my life and who I did not want in my life. Um, which, by the way, I want everybody in my life. There was nobody that I didn't want in my life. <laughs> I, I love everybody, and I love for people to love me back. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it took a while before I really started to look into, God, what is your purpose? Not so much what is mine. So after firing whatever... You've become that dish and you realize that, hey, this is what I'm being used for. The process is done. We're all good. We can all go home. That is the end. 
No, once pottery is formed, that is not the end of pottery's life. That is not the end of a vessel's life. Vessels break. Vessels get used and they get chips. Kids knock them over. They crack in half. They may fall into a hundred pieces. And the first thought when you see something like that is to whelp. That's useless. I can never be used again. And we treat people like that as well. We treat God's vessels. Everyone in here is a vessel of God. And when something happens and there's brokenness, well, God can't use them anymore. Well, that, that's a shame. That was such an awesome vessel. Fortunately, we have a God who is not like that with us. He'll pick up the pieces. He'll piece them back together. I don't remember where I read it. It's been a while, but a part of the process of taking broken pottery or broken vessels, clay, they'll take all the pieces together and they will begin to scrape off a piece of the pottery and they'll mix it into an adhesive of some sort and they'll start to piece that piece of pottery back together so that the adhesive is the color and the tone of the pottery. I think sometimes we just like to give everything up to God and we like to go sit in our corners when we're broken. And we like to say, you know what? God's got this. He's going to take care of it. I'm going to go hang out in my corner and I'm just going to let him do it. going to let him do his thing. And the whole time, you know, 10 years go by, how you doing? Oh, I'm believing God. He's going to do his thing. He's going to fix me. I'm broken, but he's going to fix me. 10 years go by again. How you doing? Oh, still waiting on God. He's going to fix me. I know he's going to fix me, but I'm letting him do his thing. I'm just waiting, just patiently waiting. Part of that process of your healing involves you. God's not going to put you back together without your agreeance, without you being a part of it. He's going to take up the pieces, and he's going to begin to scrape And he's going to mix you in with that adhesive. And it takes your agreeing with him and walking by faith and taking it. You can't just sit back and relax and, hey, be passive Christians. Like, God's got it all. I'm just going to ride this wave in. Gonna, my friends are doing good. Pastor's doing great. I uh, I can hang on to his shoe leather on the way to heaven. And everything's going to be just fine. It doesn't work that way. God needs you to participate in putting together your broken pieces. When repaired properly, very similar to uh, bones, when repaired properly broken pieces, that is the strongest part of a vessel. Again, you know, the times in my life whenever I've struggled and I've decided to go and do my own thing, and God had to pick up the pieces. When he did it, and when I agreed with him, and I received it that way, it's harder to get me to turn back from where he's brought me. It's harder to turn back to where he's brought me from. This place of experience, honestly, this, again, the scariest place in my life being up here right now, but to be here and not where I was, 
you're going to have to work overtime to get me back there. I've experienced that. I know what it's like. I know the pain. I know the struggle. I know the lack of joy in it. So when God puts you back together in those places, likelihood of you breaking in that same place is not high. Very similar to bones, like I said. When bone breaks and it heals in that place, you break that bone again, guarantee it's on either side of that previous break. Something about the way that the bone grows, the calcification is just stronger where a break was in the past. I wasn't meant to be a perfect vessel. None of us were meant to be perfect. If you expect your pastor to be perfect, you've got something coming. I grew up in a loving home. I grew up in a Christian home. Um, my father, you know, before I was born, he was in it. He was in the ministry well before my birthing. And um, so I grew up in it, you know, and I am so grateful that I did not have perfect parents because if I had perfect parents, my expectations of this world would be so skewed. Um, I would be wearing a mask daily and wondering why isn't everything like the Disneyland home that I lived in. And now we lived in fairy tales. My, my parents were good to repent. They made mistakes. They beat me. I deserved 30% of it, yeah. I deserved my fair share. Ah, I earned it. God didn't put meat on my butt. He gave me skin and bone only. But um, I earned it. But they were quick to repent. My parent, like I said, I, I had some times when, you know, I didn't want to crawl up in daddy's arms. You know, daddy just, daddy just made me hurt. I don't want to crawl up in those arms on the recliner and relax for a little bit. I want to sleep here under the bed for the next hour. And when I wake up, if I'm in a good mood, then maybe you'll get a glance. But my, no, so my parents weren't perfect. They were very, whether it was now or later, they were always repentive. The same way that each of us, we are not perfect. We weren't intended to be perfect. Our brokenness tells a story. You know, we have people that walk around and, you know, you may go out to somebody and witness and they're like, oh my God, you have like this perfect life, everything's looks so great on the outside. When you've been broken before, you know you've been broken, and that's kind of like the, the way the potter will scrape away to hide any of the brokenness. That's kind of what it looks on the outside. There is a Japanese art of repair for um, pottery called kintsugi. I'm going to give credit to Miss Joan for opening my eyes to this, but kintsugi is... When a vessel is broken, the Japanese, or this art of repair, they will take gold, platinum, silver, and precious materials, and they will mix it in with the adhesive. And instead of trying to hide the cracks on a broken vessel, they will begin to coat it with this beautiful 
gold, platinum, silver adhesive to make those breaks stand out and turn those scars from something that wasn't really pretty to look at and turn it into something extremely valuable and gorgeous. And again, like I said, it's, it's noticeable. It's not hidden. Like I said, breaks tell stories. And if someone comes into the church that you greet every single Sunday, hello, you go give them a hug, how's your day going, everything's cool, that same person walks in on crutches and a cast and a full body cast rolled up in a wheelchair, you don't say hello, you don't say how are you, you don't give them a hug. The first thing from the moment you see them from across church, oh my God, what happened to you? Tell me your story. You don't care about the hello, how are you? You want to know what just happened. Breaks tell a story. I walk into a store and if, if, if I were to see a broken pizza, if I were to be served a broken glass at a restaurant, I would probably ask the server, like, what happened to this? Like, you don't have a better dish than this here? Like, I need you to tell me exactly why I am using this dish right here. What happened to this dish? All you see is the brokenness. Brokenness tells a story. Our Father does not try to hide our scars. He does not try to hide our brokenness. He wants it to stand out. He wants what he's done to be noticeable. Very similar to this art of repair, I would liken it to, or to give an example. Like I said, I grew up in a wonderful home um, without its issues, or it had its issues, but um, typical American family. Um, everybody loved everybody. We got along for the most part. Um, grew up in church. And, um, you know, just it was just something I did. It, wasn't, it didn't really have a massive impact on me. I, you know, received the Spirit when I was nine years old. The experience was awesome. But it didn't really have the impact that I thought it would have. It didn't change me the way that I thought it would. I did it overnight again. I wasn't all of a sudden up on the platform at nine years old, you know, preaching sermons for my dad. So uh, my next experience was about 14. Had an experience. Didn't have the impact. I needed, I needed some scars. I needed some brokenness. So I decided to go and do my own thing whenever I got in my 20s because I was that kid. I liked to live at home for a long time. Like I said, I lived in a good home. My father's a wonderful cook. My mom's a great cleaner. Why would I want to leave? So I stayed home longer than a lot of people. So when I did finally get out and uh, start to explore, I dove head first. You know, I was, I was uh, married young, which isn't, isn't too young. I was married at 20, divorced by 21. It was a huge hit. It was gut check. Um, thought I recovered from it. 
put on the mask, pretended. Continued living life, doing things my way. Did my jobs, whatever, did my jobs well. Nothing changed. All right, let's change scenery then. So I moved back home to Mississippi where we're from. Went to church. Never quit going to church. I'd miss service here and there. But never quit going to church. Got into drugs at church. Got into drinking at church. Sitting on probably the third row at the time. It was a big church. So easy to hide. Sitting on the third row. Year goes by. Wow. This is not living life. Came home on vacation. Came home to visit my parents for vacation. Decided to stay home. Like I said, my dad's a good cook. My mom's a good cleaner. Brought my one suitcase back home and went and got the rest later. Dove right back into the same things. You know, God delivered me. Thank you, Jesus, from drugs and alcohol and all that. Um, thank you, Jesus. Um, just went back to living life the way I lived, minus those things. No real experience, nothing life-changing for me. Just adding, adding nice cracks to my vessel. Got married again. Didn't give up on love. Got married again. Awesome. Nothing changed. Became a dad. A lot of things changed. Um, realized there is a human being that expects a lot of me. Um, wouldn't change it for the world. Had a beautiful little girl. Um, again, nothing really changed in me. I continued to just be this broken vessel. Had another child, have, have an awesome two-year-old son, super cool. Nothing changed. Got divorced again. Thought I was broken beyond repair at that point. If you weren't here for Mother's Day, I gave my testimony up here. And at that point is when I was broken enough to join in with God on his repair for me. I'm standing... I say all of that because God took all of that. Again, there's a lot more, but I'm giving snippets. All of that is now used for his beauty. If it weren't for any of that, honestly, I would not be up here today. If I hadn't hurt the way that I have been hurting, I would not be up here today. If I hadn't experienced what I had experienced, I wouldn't be able to give away what God has given to me today.
I truly believe that if we realize our design and step into our purpose, if each and every one of us here today started today and truly moved in the purpose that God has for us, I don't believe that the enemy could hang out in San Antonio anymore. I'm, I'm urging, I'm still working on finding my, I have an idea, but, but I'm letting God walk me through the process. Again, this is a never-ending process until I kick over, and I don't plan on kicking over today. So again, I believe that if each of us stepped into our purpose, if we were in our identity that God created us to be in, and we weren't pushing against his will, I believe that this would truly be our city. Okay, Dayton, you've been saying all this stuff about purpose. What the heck is my purpose? I'm glad you asked. But I don't know. I do know, like I said in the beginning, God created Adam to walk with him, talk with him, have relationship with him. Each of you were designed to hear his voice. And only can he tell you what your purpose is. Only can he show you what your purpose is. If you're expecting to come here on any Sunday and hope that the guy up on the platform is telling you what you're supposed to do and you can walk out the door and take that to the bay, you're missing it. You are missing it. Each of you were designed to baptize and make disciples. It wasn't just the guy up here. It wasn't just pastor. It wasn't just the elders. It wasn't just the people who seemed to be used around you. Each and every one of us are designed to do that. And hearing God's voice, you'll find your purpose. I promise you. If you ask him, if you seek it, he's not going to, he's waiting for it. God is waiting for you to step in the design that he has for you. One of the things that I do, and I mean, it sounds so easy, you know, you hear him, you do it. It is so difficult. Again, I fought it for, still fight it today. I won't lie, you know, if, if God tells me to go to Holt Cat and walk up to Mr. Buford and give him, you know, a word, I'm probably not going to do that unless Mr. Buford shows up to my door, knocks on and says, hey, then I'll be like, wow, what a coincidence. God was talking to me about you. <laughs> so so I, still, I, I still struggle more than not. But it's such an easy concept. I, um, my daughter, Macy, she's seven. Um, she is too smart. Um, she is gorgeous beyond anything. Um, she's my little angel. Love this girl to death. But... As smart as she is, this girl cannot take instruction to save her life. Um, she just likes to do things her way. And now she has an idea of how things are supposed to be done, and she's going to do it that way. And, and I get to have to be dad and show her a different way. And so we'll... Uh, Again, most of the time, it, it is not pretty. Um, but I, I learned how to ask for forgiveness. 
And, uh, and so I do that with my daughter frequently, but we will go through this little drill right after our talk and punishment, whatever that looks like. And uh, I'll say, baby, you know, it's easy. Do you want another pow-pow? No. Well, do you know how to not get a pow-pow? How, daddy? Come on, we've been doing this for seven years, baby. You still, okay, check this out. This is how easy it is. Jump up and down. She'll jump up and down. She'll start to get a little smile on her face. Okay, stop. She'll stop. Put your hand on your head. Put her hand on her head. Put your other hand on your nose. She'll put her hand on her nose. How easy is that, baby? It's easy, daddy. That's all I'm asking. That's all God is asking. He's not asking you to jump through hoops. He's not asking you to squeeze through the eye of a needle. He's not asking you to do impossible things. Everything that a father expects of his children is for one, for their own good, and it's for the betterment of them, and it's within their capabilities. A father to expect something of a child or a parent to expect something of their child that's unrealistic isn't a good father. I promise you we have the best father. He's not going to do anything that he knows that you cannot do. He holds you at the highest regard. He knows your capabilities. He knows your limits. And he's not going to push you past them. He'll let you grow. Again, it's a process. Process is never ending. We're created to hear his voice. And if you want to know his purpose for you, figure out how to hear his voice. Tell a story about a gentleman who was living outside of his purpose. Um, I have a friend um, of, goodness, 15 years. He's traveling back home to California. And um, I've always wanted to do this. And I, I told him about it. Um, prior. I'd always wanted to uh, just find a homeless guy on the side of the road. There's a guy in Houston, he's sitting on a bucket, and I was just drawn to go and sit and be like, man, tell me your story. Didn't do it. Like I said, I, I say no more than I say yes to God. I'm quick to say yes to people. I struggle with saying yes to God. But um, about six years ago, I did um, downtown San Antonio. But anyway, so I, I talked to this gentleman, and um, I would let him know about what I'd always wanted to do and kind of gave him the little story of when I did finally talk to a homeless guy. Well, he goes to uh, California, back home, and uh, he finds a homeless guy. And he goes up to him and just starts talking. Hey, tell me your story. Dude's about 70, 75 years old, living in the beach area. And um, turns out he was a surgeon. I mean, anyone here who would be a surgeon, I mean, you got some purpose in your life. You have done so much saving lives. I don't know if he was a heart surgeon, brain surgeon, whatever type of, he's a surgeon. Regardless, he has saved lives. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't who he was. He wasn't in his, he wasn't working in his design. He decided that's what he wanted to do as a young man through school. Hey, this is a goal of mine. I'm going to go do it. Not taking the time to hear God on what God wanted. And he got lost 
and what his own purpose was and found out, you know what? If I can't find purpose in what I do, in my job, in my career, what's the point of life? I'm just gonna sit over here. He told him, I just decided, you know what? Wasn't doing it for me, so here I am today. I beg, go take a bath in the ocean, sleep under the bridge. He had no purpose. With everything, all of the education, all of the book smarts, all of it, somebody that we would hold in high reverence. We'd hope to be surrounded by surgeons in our community. You live in a community of surgeons, you're living in a good community. Something we look up to, yet he found no purpose in it because it wasn't who he was designed to be. I'm not saying go quit your jobs. God, God has a purpose for you to use that where you work. Your work is just a place you go to, feed your family, do your thing. It's what you do. It's not who you are. Again, please, nobody go home and quit your jobs. Please don't. <laughs> but find out what your purpose is. Why are you at that job? You know, I, I've had a lot of jobs before, and I, I wondered how on earth did I land this job? Like, I, I don't belong here. Um, I don't have the resume for it, but here I am. And instead of taking the opportunity to be used and the way that I was to be used at that place, I, you know, finished it out, did the job, left, moved on to a new job, never asking God, why am I here? Who do you need me to touch? Who do you need to show your face to here today? I would ask that you find your purpose. If you don't know what that is, if you don't know if you can hear God, if you don't know that he's talking to you, we have freedom small groups here. We have prophetic, prophecy, prophetic personality small groups and Ignite. And all those are ways that you can start to cultivate how God speaks to you, the ways to recognize him because he speaks to us all differently. Again, we're all different. He doesn't, he doesn't audibly speak to everybody. Some of you may feel, have an emotion of him that he just impresses something on you. Dreams. There are all kinds of different ways to hear God's voice. And if you haven't tapped into that, hey, find out how to join a Freedom Small Group. Try to find out how to tap into that and start to cultivate that because that's how, what you were designed to do. Again, God created you with everything in you already. He didn't create us with the hopes of, he didn't create us with potential at all. God created you exactly how he needed you. And he is just working on the process of developing what you already have. So don't discount yourself that, hey, I can't be, I won't be. I promise you, if there's anybody who shouldn't be or couldn't be, be this guy up here. God could use somebody as broken as a path that I have taken. He can use anyone. I'm going to go ahead and ask you all to stand.
Don't leave today without at least asking, God, what purpose do you have for me? Again, you're not going to get it from me. You're not going to get it from pastor. You're not going to get it from the elders. What you will get from each and every one of them, I promise you, is what's God saying? That's the only way that you're really going to receive it. That's the only way that it permanently becomes a part of you, whether it's now or later. That's the only way that seed is going to be planted and it's going to blossom. The scars that you have in your life, that's what makes you so beautiful. That's what makes you unique. Don't be afraid of the brokenness that you've gone through. Don't be afraid to share the brokenness. That story that you have, honestly, like I've, I've not experienced a lot of things that others have experienced. I can't give away what you have. You can't give away what I have. Don't hide it. Don't keep it to yourself. Give it away. I promise you there's somebody out there that needs exactly what you have to give away. I'll go ahead and ask the singers to come up. Again, please, before you leave today, just ask God, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? If you're not hearing him, hey God, I want to hear you. I want that relationship with you that you want with me, that you've designed me to have with you. I want everything that you have for me because I know everything that you have for me is better than what I could ever imagine. It's better than anything that I could do for myself. Without you, I'm nothing. But because of you, I have everything that I need. Guests, if you want to go home, feel free to. You are dismissed. But those of you who want to hear God, those of you who really want to know, why am I here? What is my purpose? Who do you have for me to touch today, God? You can come up to the front. You can stand where you are. It doesn't matter. God God really doesn't need you to do anything spectacular. All he needs to do is have you willing, open, and really desiring him. It's a simple question. God, what do you have for me? Where are you? Where do you need me to be? Speak to me today. I want to be in your perfect will, not acceptable. I want to be in your perfect will today.